Welcome to The Rural Rockstar, a podcast dedicated to empowering rural women with the tools and inspiration to transform their lives and businesses from the inside out. I share my journey of Survive to Thrive in life and business, and I show what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I also interview other rockstar women from around the world to inspire you to do it too. My mission is to empower the next generation of rural changemakers to show up and be the leaders we need. I'm Katrina, your rockstar host. Let's rock. Hello and welcome back to the Rural Rockstar. I'm your host, Katrina Myers, and today I'm joined by my gorgeous good friend, Meg. Hello, Meg. Hi, Katrina. So excited to be here with you. I should say Meg Durham for those of you who aren't as familiar with Meg as I am. (laughs) But Meg is my wonderful friend who many of you will know has been on the show before. And Meg and I are very much on this kind of journey of life, I guess, together, life, business, just doing it all. And we talk every week and we go down rabbit holes and we uh, kind of our, each other's support networks and mentors and it's just such a lovely relationship that I am so, so, so grateful for. And after last the last episode, Meg sort of shared her story with us and kind of gave us a bit of her background and talked about change and her experience of, you know, managing big life changes. And we thought there is so much more to talk about here. Um, we need to do some more episodes. So we're going to record a series of episodes and we're going to go through different topics. And today we're going to talk about um, the what it actually means to be well, you know, what it actually looks like to have good well-being, to feel good, to be functioning well. Because, you know, last week I talked about we did an episode on self-care and what it means to actually take care of yourself. And we sort of got to thinking, well, why? You know, one thing we could look at is why is it so important to take care of ourselves? What is the difference between surviving and thriving, which Meg and I talk about a lot? And how do you know if you're not well and if you are well and what it actually feels like? What's the difference? I mean, I remember actually having a conversation with a friend once and she's like, well, how do I know if I'm not thriving and what even is thriving? You know, so I think for a lot of people who are perhaps walking around a little bit kind of unaware and unconscious in the world, as Meg would say, with the lights off, Meg gave me this fabulous uh, metaphor of, you know, before you do the work and before you kind of open up to the world of well-being and what it might look like, it's almost like you're walking around with the lights off and you don't have any awareness of what it's like perhaps to feel good or maybe you've had a sense of it at some time but you don't really know the difference. And so we're going to dig into like what it actually looks like to turn the lights on and to start kind of turning up that dimmer and figuring out, wow, this is, you know, what it actually feels like and we're going to look at how we can assess that. So Mick, can you talk to us about your experience and your knowledge and how you kind of, you know, would explain to someone what it looks like to actually feel well and to be feeling good and functioning well in the world? You know, it's such an interesting question because what it feels like and looks like in my life is completely different to what it feels like and looks like in somebody else's life. And so when we're talking about well-being, when we're talking about feeling good and functioning well, It's a really a process of learning yourself and getting to know yourself, getting to know your triggers, getting to observe yourself like, oh, what lights me up and what doesn't? Like where do I get that spark of joy and where do I feel a little bit depleted? And so when it comes to thriving, it's about taking a moment to think about when is a time where I feel lit up, where I feel energetic, where it feels a bit effortless. 
And then when you're thinking about that survival mode, when does it feel hard? When is it, is it just hard work? And we can all remember a time where life just feels hard. You're in that survival mode. It's literally one foot in front of the other. Compared to thriving, you've got a bit more bounce in your step. You've got that spark and you're thinking about the future and you're feeling quite playful. So for people to really take that time to think about what do I look like, feel like and sound like when I'm in survival mode versus thriving. So a simple way in is think about your clothes. I know that sounds funny, Mm -hmm. but we can get into this habit when we're in survival mode of almost wearing a uniform where you just chuck on the same things and we're just in that survival. Where when we go into thriving mode, we've got a bit more energy to pick a few different things. So it could be as simple as your clothes and how you present to the world, but then it could be as deep and complex as your values and boundaries and integrity and all of those tricky things to understand. So when it comes to thriving versus survival, it's a unique experience that requires ongoing awareness and action to find out what it means for you. Would you say I was thinking there that, you know, for some people survival is the normal. I would say for a lot of people even these days, you know, life's pretty hard and if you're not if you're not doing any any of these practices and, and things to kind of protect your well-being and self-care like I talked about last week, maybe you've been in survival mode without knowing it for, for a really long time. Maybe it's even like is it might it might even be that you need to go back to when you're a kid to to tap into something that you know to a period of time when you felt like you were thriving or, or you know is it is it about doing that or tuning into like when you, you think about those events like what if someone can't even think about something that's lit them up for ages you know oh it's really interesting because I think we are in a period of time where we're marinating in stress yeah we're in this state of constant overwhelm there's pressure, there's urgencies, there's lots of expectation. And so with that does come that survival mode. You're thinking about just trying to put one foot in front of the other, race, 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 race. And so it can be hard to actually stop and think about times where you weren't feeling under pressure, Mm. where you felt like you had space. And for some people it could go back to their childhood. You know, when I'm feeling really under pressure, one of the strategies that I use is I picture myself in my childhood doing something that I loved. And for me, it was playing schools. Playing schools is my happy place. And now doing the work that we do, I feel like that child, like playing schools, you know, I'm sharing, there's innocence, there's no grades, there's no performance based. It's just being present and playing. And so it may be thinking back when you were younger, what brought you joy? You know, for some people that could be horse riding. For some people that's going for a swim at the beach. For some people that's cooking. And when we think about play, when we're children, we play for the sake of it, for the enjoyment of it. But something happens as we become adults is that we play to win We play for the rules. We want to know where the start and the end is. We want to know how to be good at it. Where when we've got that childlike sense of play and wonder, we're just in the moment. And so that's something to really explore for yourself is what are the activities that allow you to just be 
to be present, to feel that joy and awe and wonder and curiosity and not in, I've just got to get this job done. Mm. I've just got to get this done. I've got to just get through it and move on. And that's something I think about a lot is we can get into this performance mode where we're performing our roles throughout the day and we're not actually experiencing that role. Mm-hmm. So I think that can be a bit of a distinguishing difference between are we performing and in that performer survival or are we experiencing an in connection? Mm. Yeah. Um, and so something I wanted to ask you about there then is like, well, why do we need to thrive? You know, what is it about, you know, and, and for someone who's going, oh, well, I'm just, you know, what's the point in doing all this work, you know? And when I was, again, going back to my podcast, my last podcast about self-care, like why do, you know, why is it so important that we, you know, in, in what do you think about like why that's so important that as human beings we need to thrive and why is it worth doing the work? I think life's better when you've got more fun, more joy, more connection, more meaning, more purpose. It just feels more buoyant Mm. it feels like you can get through the ups and downs that little bit easier and I don't know what it is but I think there's a part of us as humans like the spirit the soul that yearns to grow to learn it's like this living organism in us just like the trees just like the flowers you can't stop them from growing (laughs) you know you can try your hardest but they will keep growing. And I think that that's a part of us that we keep growing. But then we also have this tension because our brain is wired to keep us safe and keep to the familiar and the predictable. So there's a part of us that really wants to grow that's flirting with constant change. And that's also that dopamine. Dopamine, that neurotransmitter really comes from the desire to want something. Once we've got it, it doesn't matter. It wants the next thing. You know, there's that desire for more. And we have the tension of, oh, but it's scary. It's unfamiliar. Mm. And so that's something that we're constantly in a dance with. Mm. And depending on who you are and how much experience you've had, I think the more you go on this wellbeing journey, the more you can dance with that discomfort and keep moving forward instead of just being in a holding pattern. 100%. And that's what I was thinking there actually that's certainly been my experience and that is sort of to me that is one of the benefits of being a of thriving so thriving doesn't mean that you're jumping around happy all the time in this constant state of joyfulness and happiness and just you know nothing worries you thriving and I want to get into talking about the spire model which will probably explain this a bit a bit more clearly but it means that you are you know you like you said you can you you experience a discomfort and in fact you actually experience the full range of emotions even more i would say if anything it, you know really thriving means you you feel real anger and real sadness and the and whatever emotions you're feeling and you actually feel into them but then you can move through them and being able to sit with that discomfort as you say is such a huge part of it and and actually just acknowledging and realizing that really the discomfort is the good bit it, you've got to learn to see that as like oh okay even though it's hard and awful, it's like this is actually the gold. Like if I'm feeling uncomfortable, then something's happening, something's changing, and I know that out the other side of this is going to be really good, you know, and we have to get more comfortable with all of that, and that's what thriving does for you. It allows you to sit with the discomfort and move through it, and I think that's just such a powerful part of it. I think when we think about thriving, we can just think you you sort of get this sort of superficial idea of what thriving is, 
but it's actually so, so, so much deeper in the levels of, you know, what it actually means to be thriving. So can you talk us through the SPIRE model as a, as a way of kind of, because I think it's a really nice, well-rounded model of looking at, you know, what it actually means to have, a whole, like, well, they call it whole being and, and whole I'm not wholehearted, that's Brene Brown's word, <laughs> the well-being but whole being. So tell us about the SPIRE model and how that kind of relates to all this and, and, and why it's a good way of looking at So according to the Whole Being Institute in the US, they've got a model of well-being that's SPIRE and for you and I it's the one that resonates with us most deeply on an individual level. Yes, there's a million other frameworks out there but this is the one that really lands for both of us. And so... Spire is S, is your spiritual health. And when they're talking about spiritual, they're not talking about your religion. They're talking about your spirit. How congruent is your life with who you are, Mm. not who you think you should be? And then the P is the physical. So we can relate that to what we talk about all the time, which is the battery. So your physical health. The image that I have is how's your car running? Like that's just your physical body that's getting you from A to B. I is your intellectual health or your intellectual self. How stimulated and challenged are you? How much growth are you experiencing? You know, because we can get into stages in of our life where we're working hard, we're really busy, but completely unstimulated. <laughs> so intellectual health is really really important and then we have r which is relational and when it comes to relational health the first layer is your relationship with self Uh how do you care for yourself how do you regard yourself and then the e is emotional how do you manage your emotions do you feel like you're at the mercy of your emotions and your triggers or are you able to self-regulate and work through? So that gives us a broad sense of all the different facets of what it takes to feel good and function well. I like to look at it like a big buffet. You know, there's, you know, the little bit here and a little bit there and it's up to you to create what works for you. So I like to almost think about being well is a universal, unique process because they're universal things that we need to do like the spire but it's unique in how that manifests for you mm-hmm. that's the challenge though too isn't it and it, it, that makes it challenging on a lot of levels because there is no like here's what you need to do to have good well-being it's not like a textbook this is a list I mean you can there's a, there's a world of information out there but there's no this is the one true path to enlightenment and living your best life like it's just that's all part of it. The other part of that that can be challenging is that when you see someone else who you think needs to change or to feel good or to, you know, you want to try and help them improve their lives, like that's really frustrating as well because you can't say to anyone else, here, just go and do this and you'll be right. I think that's a, <laughs> it's such a challenging part of it is that there is no road roadmap. But I do love that, that we have these models and there's so much out there now that, that, that can help us to have a better understanding of what we need to do. I mean, the SPIRE model does sort of paint a picture for us of what, you know, the, the kind of overarching things that we need to do. And then under that we can pick and choose and, you know, decide what fits for us under each of those things. Like take, for example, physical exercise. I mean, there's a million things you can do to keep your exercise, to, to exercise well and to keep your body physically healthy, isn't there? You know, I mean, it's like under each of one of those things, there's a lot of things that you could individualise just for you. 
The spiritual one is interesting, I think, isn't it? I mean, that's something that I have only learned about in more recent years, really. I mean, I would never have, I mean, I thought spirituality was just weird and fluffy and had no concept of it, or it was just completely based on religion and you had to be religious to be spiritual. So it's interesting that's part of one. And really it's just about that connection to yourself, isn't it, spirituality? At the end of the day, it's sort of mind, body, soul and connection to yourself. Is that how you would describe, how would you describe spirituality? Yeah, I really do think it comes back to that connection to self and something that I'm exploring more and more is this idea of self-trust. I think we talk a lot about self-compassion, self-care, all of these things. I think underlying all of that is self-trust, that we trust ourselves to do what we need to do in the critical moments. And I think for a lot of us, we actually don't trust ourselves. Mm. You know, we we make commitments or we say we're going to do something, but really we know we're not going to do it. Mm. And I feel that over the last 10 years when I've been involved in this work is that my self-trust muscle has got stronger and stronger. So if I say I'm going to do something, high chances are I'm going to do that and make that happen because I trust myself. I trust the process. Well, I think when you're starting out, it's hard to trust the process because you haven't experienced it enough to know that it does work out, that that pain that we talked about earlier that burn, that emotional burn of this is so hard, I can't do this, what am I thinking, that's really important. Just like in physical activity when we get that burn, that's when things are changing. Mm. You know, that's the neuroplasticity. That's when we're stretching and doing things differently and you do get to the other side like, wow, I did that. And the more you do that, you're building up this self-trust and then I think the more you, you trust yourself, the more you can trust others and have faith in the process. And that's where, for me, spirituality really comes back to my faith in humanity and our ability to cope and thrive. Mm. I, I love that and I've got a question about change, but I just want to read spiritual, like the definition on the SPIRE model is leading a meaningful life and mindfully savouring the present as well, which I, which I really love that as well. And that's kind of what you're saying, that connection to self, connection to the world, connection to the, you know, um, humanity and all that kind of stuff. But when you were talking there about, you know, you now trust yourself. And so you can, you know that if you say you're going to do something, you, you trust yourself, you can do it, you can push through the hard bit and you know that you'll, like say you want to start a new exercise regime or something, you know that you'll be able to follow through on that if you set your mind to it. But at the start, this is the hard part, isn't it, for people because, they don't have that trust and maybe they've got no trust in themselves because they've tried to go on a diet or they've tried to lose weight or they've tried to get happy. Like they've tried so many times, but each time they end up right back where they started. So what's the advice for someone who's like, okay, yeah, that's great, but I've tried, you know, changing so many times, but I can't push through. Is it really just building that awareness more about just like it is uncomfortable as well? And, and what else is your advice for those people who are just like, all right, well, I really want to make change, but I, I don't trust myself and I think I'm going to fail? I think the reality is you are going to fail. Like that is a part of the change process, like falling off the wagon as such. Mm-hmm. That's a part of it. You know, if we take it right back to watching children learn to walk, they don't just get up and walk. You know, they get up and fall down. They get up and fall down. And they're so happy about it. (laughs) 
They're like so happy with themselves. They're thrilled. They're clapping. They're like, look at me. Did you see me? That is how we grow and learn. It's messy. It's uncomfortable. And eventually with enough practice, you get that moment of lift where it happens. You know, that look in a child's eye when they first tie their shoelace for the very first time, that's the magic. That's where it all comes together. And for somewhere along the line, as adults, we've decided that mess, learning can't be messy. We need to, we're going to do this and it's going to be perfect. And we've taken that black and white thinking, which is so unhelpful mm. and so destructive to our change process instead of let's play, let's try, let's see how I go. So when it comes to research of smoking and quitting smoking, the last thing that I read was at least seven attempts. Like it's normal. We need to have lots of attempts before we actually crack it. So instead of beating yourself up about, oh, you know, I only got to Monday afternoon on my new health kick, think (laughs) permission to be human, next chance, next chance, next chance. Something that I love to share is when I was first teaching body pump, Those people who don't know what body pump is, it's a group exercise class to music with weights. And it was my very first opportunity to be the instructor and it was just for one song. And so the song was a chess track. And I had practiced and practiced and practiced. I knew exactly what I needed to do, what all the choreography was, got up onto the stage, got started, and I just couldn't get it out. I was like, oh, oh. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I missed it. Oh, I missed it. Oh, I missed it again. Oh, I missed it again. The poor audience just did singles for the whole song. I think it was like Bon Jovi, It's My Life or something. And I am just dying inside. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. And I was so embarrassed and they just thought it was hilarious. And the only way I got better was just showing up again. And then I got a few cues in and then I got to a point where I'd listen to a song in the car once and then I'd just make it up on the spot. So it's all about practice. You know, neuroplasticity, growth and learning, it is just repetition. Mm. Try and try and try to eventually you get that moment like, oh, I did it, that shoelace moment. Do you know what I was thinking about when you were talking about the baby analogy and the little baby crawling along and standing up and not only are they so excited, but everyone around them is so excited watching them fail and learn. And it's actually like as a parent too, it's like so beautiful to watch, you know. And I think maybe that's that just made me think about the, you know, relating that to the support crew that we need when we're trying to make change as well. And that, you know, again, often these days we're so judgy of each other too, you know, and, and whether we're trying to start a new business or we're trying to, you know, go and put ourselves out there and speak up or we're trying to try and change something with our health, having that support network of people around you is so, so important as well, isn't it? That's a really important part of it on your wellbeing journey and part of thriving really, isn't it? Because you need those cheerleaders. It's fundamental. I would not be where I am today without support. Yeah. We need that connectedness. We need other people to believe in us when we don't think we can do it. It is absolutely vital we're humans wired for connection and having people believe in us witness our growth witness our struggle that is imperative to moving forward Mm. that just reminded me can you tell us your five c's again because that relates well to this doesn't it like it's what you need to and how do you explain the five c's it's what you need to move to to change or to, to create change or to 
Well, five C's are five elements or capacities, capabilities that you can cultivate. Oh, look at all these C's. (laughs) Yes, so many C's. So they're essentially all muscles. They're all capacity building exercises when it comes to change. Mm -hmm. And so the overview is compassion, commitment, courage, consistency, and community. Because I've often thought about it, when I look back over my life, I was never someone who got the blue ribbon. I was never the best at anything. I was never a fierce competitor. <laughs> it's just I don't I don't have white line fever. I remember finishing like, oh well, they won, they played better. And that was that was it. But I'm a fierce participator. I'm in the game. Like I'm a complete tryhard. Like I try hard and I have a go. And that's where I think that's helped me in my growth journey because you learn all these C's because these C's are things that we can internally develop and strengthen. They don't require other people Mm. and their validation or their feedback or rewards or trophies. This is the internal. And so when we talk about self-determination theory, it's about the internal capacity that I have choice and what I do has meaning in the world. So when it starts with C, the the compassion is start where you are. Mm. You're human. If you've got zero trust in yourself, that's where you are. Mm. So what small act can you do to build up that evidence that you are trustworthy? The simplest thing. And sometimes I think the more embarrassing and the more silly you feel it is and how how silly it is it's so small, the more likely you're going to commit to that. So it's just building up that compassion muscle of here I am, this is what I'm at. And then the next muscle we need to build is our commitment muscle. You know, do what you say you're going to do. Mm. Do it. Commit to it. There is such a fear around commitment. Mm. We flirt and flirt and flirt and flirt, but the idea of commitment for so many people is just so scary. What if I fail? What if it doesn't work? And, oh, I don't know what to decide. And I think for a lot of people they're waiting for permission. So stop waiting for permission and just commit to something, anything. doesn't matter what it is. Just commit to some kind of act. And then the courage is just do it. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, you don't feel like it. Yes, someone may have a comment about it. And do it anyway. If you wait until you feel like it, you're never going to feel like it. You have to just do it. And then the C of consistency is the one where people feel the most ill and they want to avoid the most. Consistency is not sexy, but it's vital because that's where the repetition comes in. The more you do something, the more you witness yourself doing it, the more you're building evidence of, hey, Look what I'm doing. You know, yourself, Katrina, you're a podcaster now. 12 months ago, that's something that you dreamt of. And now you've seen yourself do it. You've created a podcast week after week. Like, oh, I'm a podcaster. Like, that's how it works. And then the final one is community. Create a community that wants to see you thrive. As you said before, like parents with their kids delighting in the joy and also being there in the sorrow. It is all of that that helps us on our change journey and I think it's heartening to know that they're all skills that can be learned and that's what I always come back to when it comes to well-being 
it's all learnable, teachable skills. Mm. It's, it's not a matter of if you're born with it or not. We can all learn to be compassionate. We can all learn to be com- committed, to show courage, to show consistency and to develop community. It's all within our reach. That was one of the biggest things for me at the start of my well-being journey was the realisation that it kind of wasn't just luck as well. You know, I had this belief that, you know, and I've shared this story before after losing dad, that like it was just the luck of the draw. If you get depressed, if you end up, you know, if you just have a miserable life, you're either happy or you're not and it's just lucky. You know, I really believed that. I just thought it was up to chance in a lot of ways. (laughs) I feel feel so like I was so naive really and I really was in the dark. But it's like you say, all of these things are accessible to any of us. And I guess it starts with that just making the choice. And sometimes that choice can seem really, really hard, but, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it's up to you, isn't it? If it's to be, it's up to me. I love that saying. And at the end of the day, if you're going to make the change, if you want good well-being, which, you know, we're telling you it's worth it, then you have to be prepared to do the change. I do realise we've gone into a little bit of the change stuff here, but for me, like change is like the underlying thing that's going on, you know, and the how to change and how to take those steps. It's just so fundamental in all of this because even once you realise that you're in survive mode, if you want to get to good wellbeing, it involves, you know, there's a lot of steps and a lot of things. And I love that your five C's. I was thinking compassion is overlaid through all of those. And what's your, you have that brilliant quote at the minute, if um, (laughs) compassion is the chorus, how does that one go? So I was sitting down looking at this framework and I was really irritated because I couldn't find a place for compassion because I kept thinking, oh, no, but it goes before courage, but you need a kind of after courage and then after commitment. And then I sat back and thought, if change was a song, compassion would be the chorus. Yes. We yeah. always have to come back to compassion. And I think for a lot of us, it is a skill that hasn't been cultivated yet. Mm-hmm. And it is possible because a lot of us have this idea that we should know better. We should be doing things differently and we can speak to ourselves in such brutal and terrible ways. And when people say, well, I can't be kind to myself, that's a bit weak, I'm letting myself off the hook, I step back and think, well, how's it working for you? Mm. You know, If it worked for you, your current voice, you would be doing things differently. Mm. You know, so compassion is being able to gently walk with yourself where you are nurture yourself, remind yourself that we're all human, we all make mistakes and keep moving forward. Mm. What's the next choice? Yes, you said you weren't going to do X, Y, Z. You did it. That's normal, predictable. And what's your next choice? You don't have to wait a whole week. You don't have to wait to the next day. It's just the next choice. Mm. Yeah, I just, compassion is so, so important, isn't it? It's been a huge part of my growth journey as well, really, learning to have self-compassion, forgive yourself, stop judging yourself so much, all of that is so important because otherwise, as you say, it continues to hold you back because as soon as you have a failure, which we've just been talking about is inevitable and is all part of it, it stops you. And what you need to learn is the compassion to have the failure, keep going anyway. Like you said, make the next best move, just keep going, one foot in front of the other. And that's the hard part. And it's why the compassion piece is so important. So I love that. Um, was there anything else you wanted to touch on today, Meg? I love. I think this has been a lot of information for people in in one session already. Like I just love it, and I, I think we will 
you know, we definitely need to go more into change and the process of change and implementing change again next week or whenever the next episode is as well. Um, but I think that's hopefully given people a good idea of, yeah, what the difference between survive and thrive is and why, you know, what wellbeing sort of look like looks like and that model, the SPIRE model, as one example, I mean, you can go and find other models, as you said, but that SPIRE model is a really good place to start and to look at, you know, ha- and to assess yourself really on how you are in each of those five, is it five, six? pieces you know and those those elements and and look at where you're at in your life and do a little you can do a little self-assessment can't you You can go and look at spire model and say well where am i up to and how, how am i going on each of these elements and that would be a really good place to start and to take take stock of where you're at in your life now and what you think and then if you're thinking oh my goodness i'm i've got i'm nowhere on the spire model it's just all a disaster and i'm you know miserable and it's all horrible then small steps you know and like you said think about would that be your advice of the place to start? Just really start small. Think about something that's, that lights you up and how to, where you can feel those moments of joy to, you know, set yourself in that other direction. Is that the best place to start? Yeah, I think to start as small as possible mm. and witness yourself following through with that commitment. Mm. The way that I picture it is a slow burn. You mm. want to build that fire instead of what we naturally tend to do is massive fireworks. Mm-hmm. You know, we just go, we have this massive bang and then it's all gone. Mm. You know, so really pushing against that tide of wanting results instantly and going for the slow burn, building up your self-confidence, building up that trust muscle just day by day by day. And eventually you'll look back and think, wow, you know, a good strategy to do is, before you go to bed, take a moment to celebrate what went well today. Mm. And the most important part of that is the next level, which is why did it go well? Mm-hmm. So if you look back on your day and said, oh, that was real, a really good interaction with my son. And then the next question is why? Why was it? Because I was not distracted. My phone was in another room. I was present. Mm. And really start to join those dots because it's, joining the dots that creates more consciousness so more lights on more awareness and then as we build that awareness in what we're doing we're then more likely to take that deliberate action again so the next day that's right phone out of the way and I have some time where we're just present with each other eye contact like simple tiny micro moments that build over time is a much more likely way to success than I've got to change my life. (laughs) I've just got to do it all now. My spy is rubbish. I've got to build it all up and think, well, okay, I am where I'm at. Let's just pick one thing, relationships, and build on that. Yeah, such great advice. And that's the compassion piece, isn't it? It's about saying, okay, well, this is where I'm at, but I'm going to take that one small step and, and take some action. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Meg. It's been a wonderful chat as always. I'm already looking forward to the next ones and we'll be also if you'd like to send us in any like, you know, any burning questions that you've got or any topics that you'd love us to cover, please do let us know as well. And follow along on Meg's journey on her Instagram as well. And yeah, thanks so much, Meg, for joining us. And I'm already looking forward to the next one. And thanks, thanks for your time. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks so much. Very grateful. Thanks, Katrina. Thanks, Meg. Bye.